Welcome to episode 57 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. You are listening to the Empowering Ability Podcast and making expectations for what is possible for people with developmental disabilities. Here's your host, my brother, Elsa. Hey there, thanks for joining. Today, I bring you this bonus episode from a video I recorded uh, to help bring you additional insights and learning on how to create the best life for your loved one with a developmental or intellectual disability, an elevated life, and helping us to elevate expectations for people with developmental or intellectual disabilities. And in this lesson, uh, I might have been using a whiteboard or referring to a drawing or a graphic that you will not be able to see in this audio. Uh, so if you hear that, uh, that is why, because it's shot in video. But nonetheless, I think there's still a lot of value that you can get from this lesson. Hi there, Eric Gall here. And just want to thank all of you that have commented and sent me your questions on the last video. And I'm really excited about all the engagement with, with the last two videos and all the questions that I've got. And everybody that's reached that, reached, that has reached out to me is really excited as well. So thank you so much for that. And I'm really excited today to talk to you more about how we can create that great life, the best life possible, or the best life imaginable. If we refer back to the last video on vision, how can we create that best life imaginable for our loved one with an intellectual or developmental disability, right? A happy life, a full life, a life with meaning, uh, and a life that isn't completely dependent or reliant on us as family members. And that's so important because, you know, we have this question of who's going to be there when I'm gone. And people with intellectual and developmental disabilities are living longer with, you know, improvements in healthcare, And that's a great thing. But then it leads to this other concern of if I'm not there for my loved one, then who else? And that's a big question. So... I just wanted to remind you that, you know, I show up as this is who I am and, and this is what I do and this work to support other families that have a loved one with an intellectual or developmental disability is what I am super passionate about. It is my sole purpose to do this work. And I found this through supporting my sister uh, and my family uh, through a major transition and helping Sarah to create the life that, that she wants and continuing to, to help her do that and to put the things in place that I've been describing to you on these videos and uh, that I'm going to talk to you again today uh, in this video about. And we're going to dive into the topic of personal support networks. So I'm really excited to, to, to have this conversation about personal support networks with you. A question that I get a lot is okay, it's great to have this best imaginable life that we, we create in our minds because remember, we need to create it in our minds before we can actually make it happen and move forward and start to take steps into that best imaginable life that we can envision 
for ourselves. But the question is, you know, we start taking steps to do that as a family, but how do we make it sustainable, right? There's this question, if not me, then who? And this is where the concept of a personal support network comes in. Now, you might ask, what is a personal support network? And they're called a bunch of different things, so I'll get to that in a minute. But simply, a personal support network is something that we all have. I have one. You likely have one. Uh, everybody has a personal support network. And I want you to think about your own life. So think about it, your life, when you need to talk to somebody about maybe something going on at work, something going on in your relationship with your partner, um, you know, something going on with one of your friends, that, and you need to talk to somebody about it. Uh, something going on where you're trying to plan a vacation, right? So it can be a, a good or an awesome thing as well. Somebody you want to celebrate with maybe. So we all have those people that we would go to to talk about those things, right? When I think about it for myself, um, you know, if it was something career related, then I might talk to, you know, my dad. I might talk to my friend Dave or I might talk to my friend Dan. Maybe there's a couple other people that I would talk to. Those people are in my personal support network. You can kind of think of it as almost like an informal advisory board that you keep in your back pocket, right? Or on your, in your contacts in your phone. And we all have this. So this personal support network will help to give us different perspectives, see things from different angles. Uh, they'll be able to give us ideas and ultimately they help us to make decisions. They might not be making the decisions for us, but they help us to get to a decision. Now, with an individual that has an intellectual or developmental disability, this is harder. Uh, it's harder for them to really maintain and build their personal support network for a variety of reasons. It, you know, uh, to name a couple, people are typically more sheltered, they're more isolated, uh, they haven't been given the opportunity to form relationships or maybe the tools to form relationships, communication devices such as a, a smartphone for example. Um, or there might be some other barriers such as being able to communicate or, or speak or maybe speaking a different language. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe they're nonverbal or maybe there's some, you know, social or emotional things that make it a little bit more difficult for that individual to, to build and maintain relationships. So for all these reasons, a personal support network is a little bit more tricky, a little bit more difficult for an ind individual that has an intellectual or developmental disability typically, right? And we go back to that relationship map for, from the first video that I put out, right? Typical person, 150 relationships in their relationship map, 150 connections they maintain. Person with an intellectual or developmental disability, 25, right? So one six. So this is all connected. So we need to put some intention behind the personal support network for an individual with an intellectual or developmental disability. And this is something we need to start work on right now because now we likely have some time. Whereas later, we have less time. Or later than that, we have no time. So we need to start work on, working on it now. And we need to start thinking about, you know, who, will the people that, who are the people that will be there or that could potentially be there? And, you know, if we don't start to think about that, it can often fall on a sibling, if there is a sibling. So it can fall on someone like me. And 
that can be a, a lonely experience talking to many other siblings who have a, a brother or a sister with a disability. That can be a lonely experience when everything is kind of just expected for them to, to pick up um, once their parents can no longer do it. So personal support network, super important concept. So to help explain personal support networks, I want to tell you about my friend, Sam. Now, Sam and I have been friends since we were, I want to say six years old and we met through um, our families. And Sam and his sister um, would come over to you know my house and my sister and Sam's sister would hang out and play together and Sam and I would hang out and play together. And so we go way back, probably to about, you know, we were six or seven years old. And Sam has had a intentional support circle, is what we call it, or a personal support network for over 15 years now. And I've had the privilege of being a part of Sam's support circle or a, uh, a circle member for the last 10 years. And as I mentioned, Sam's personal support network is called a support circle. So there's many different names out there for personal support networks. So support circle, circle of support, and then on the more formal end of the spectrum, you have microboards, uh, arrojas, or organizations that are formed just to support one individual. So I won't get too much into detail around those. I just wanted to make you aware that those are all kinds of personal support networks. Now, on a monthly basis, for about the last 10 years, uh, I've been getting together with Sam and his support circle and we get together and this is the intentionality part. So we get together face to face and we talk about whatever Sam wants to talk about. So typically he'll give an update of what's going on in his life and he'll bring something into the support circle that he wants to talk about. So something that's important to him that's going on in his life. It could be something that he wants to try or it could be you know, something going on with his job or something going on with where he's volunteering or something going on with his home. Uh, and yes, he's had his own home for the last five years. So getting together on a monthly basis, face to face, really helps us to connect with Sam, Sam to connect with us and us to connect together. That's also a really cool thing is that we've really started to form some good friendships um, as the people that are around Sam. And uh, we all, I guess, support Sam a little bit differently. And uh, we all bring something a little bit different into that support circle. And one of the things that I've found to be beneficial with personal support networks when uh, the individual has an intellectual or developmental disability is a facilitator. And a facilitator helps to uphold the values of the support circle and I recommend setting some values and some principles for that intentional uh, personal support network. Uh, one being keeping that individual in the center of the circle and supporting them with love and respect and making sure that their voice is heard and everybody else being around in support of that person, right? So that circle idea. Um, so I recommend to have those as a base minimum as a starting point and to talk about what other values would be important for that individual. And the facilitator can help to do that. They can also help to facilitate the conversation. They can help to prepare for 
um, the support circle or the personal support network meeting. And they help to keep things on track and moving forward. Um, and you know, they, they help to um, make sure that the people are engaged and they're there. And the people in Sam's support circle are there for Sam in, in many different ways. Um, you know, it can be as simple as the best internet service provider in the area, um, learning that from the local neighbor, to exploring his interest of Comic-Con and exploring that in the local community, but also exploring that, you know, in locations like LA or in New York and attending those events with, with people in his support circle. It could also be, you know, jumping on a plane and, and traveling somewhere else. And it's also for things, the typical ordinary things around the house too, um, and emotional support or, you know, social support and getting involved in the interest that he has in his local community. You know, those are the, the immediate benefits that, that pay dividends. And when we look at the long-term benefits, I know that Sam's circle, his personal support network will be there for him if, in a, in, if his family could not be. And his support uh, network, his personal support network is there for him um, in many ways that his family couldn't be because of the different roles that they play um, and the different friendships that they hold with Sam. It sounds awesome, doesn't it? Uh, but it takes work. And uh, there's some things that I've learned over the last 10 years that I, I'm gonna share with you. I don't have the time to, the time to share with you today in this video, um, but you know I have them and I'll, I'd love to share them with you. And I will soon. Um, but the important thing here that I wanted to share with you with this the story of Sam and, and his personal support network is that this is available to you. I want you to one you needed to know that this exists, that this is a possibility for your loved one and for your family. And one of the questions that I often get around personal support networks is, oh, but that won't work for my loved one. Uh, no one will want to be involved. No one will drive here. Uh, people are just too busy. It won't happen. You know, insert the next excuse. And it was really interesting. I had a, a family member reach out to me the other day and they said, I don't have a question for you, but I have advice for families. And the advice that, that they wanted to give to families was to let go. We just need to let go. We hold on too tightly, we squeeze too tightly, we shelter too much, uh, and it causes isolation, right? And we just hold on to too much. And I couldn't agree more. And we have our own insecurities, our own beliefs that other people can't do it as good as we can, or other people won't accept my loved one, or other, well, other people don't wanna be involved with my loved one. And you know, you put your name on the, on the next one, whatever that is for you. And these things are getting in the way of your loved one having these types of connections in relationships and being able to help them to unlock their capabilities and their decision making that's separate from you and breaking that dependency, right? People with intellectual and developmental disabilities have these deep dependencies on their family, particularly their parents, and their parents do a lot for them. This was definitely the case with my family and those are starting to untangle and that takes a lot of hard work for parents and for the individual with a disability. 
And we have to start to tease these apart. And to, to do these sooner is, is better than to do it later because we can then form other interdependencies, these other connections and relationships with other people where it's not just reliant on mom and dad or you know, brother or sister, it's reliant on you know, my friend Bob, my friend Sally, my neighbor Joe, and my aunt Kathy, and you know, I still have mom, dad, and maybe brother, sister, cousin, whatever, but widening those, uh, inter the interconnectedness and those, inter those, those codependencies, right? And, and broadening those and just versus having a dependency on mom or dad because eventually you know mom or dad or that person couldn't be there and then you're in a really bad spot right so those interdependencies are really important and to do this yes it's challenging why is it challenging because we have to be vulnerable we have to open our lives we have to open our hearts and we have to open our minds to the vision that we have for our loved one and our family. And it takes leadership and it takes courage to step into this and to be vulnerable and ask for help and to say, this is where we're going. Would you like to come with us? Or what ideas do you have? And just asking is a hard thing to do. I know that, I've been there. I've supported other families to do that as well and that's a scary emotional messy vulnerable place to be in but I guarantee you if you step into that people will step in people will say how can I help people will be there I've always seen it happen that way and I guarantee you it'll happen that way for you as well it just takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to step into that now we want this best life that is possibly imaginable for our loved one with a disability, right? Thinking back to the last video on vision, right? Whatever we can imagine in our mind is only what we can achieve, right? So this best imaginable life. And once we can imagine that great life, we can start to take steps towards it, right? We want this happy life, this full life, this life full of opportunities to experience the great things that we all experience, a life full of relationship, because we know relationship brings us the most happiness, right? Referencing that Harvard study where you know they, they studied uh, lifelong happiness and relationships being the number one contributor to happiness um, and a huge contributor to health as well. And we, we know that we want this for our loved one and we don't want it to be all reliant on us because if we're not there, then it will all fall apart. So it has to be sustainable and there has to be these interdependencies with other people that love and care about our loved one. And so the question is, how are we going to make this happen? As family members, as carers, we need to step up as leaders. We need to be brave, we need to be vulnerable. We need to, be imagine, that, we need to imagine that best possible life. And we need to ask others to be a part of that with us. And I've taken all of these ideas and these lessons that I've, I've taught you and there's also other lessons that I that I have created and I've been working on this for over a year and I've created the six C's so I want to share the six C's with you the first one we've started to explore which is creating a vision so creating a vision of the best possible the best uh, life imaginable for a loved one 
that is using that culturally valued analog, right? The CVA, that what's typical and ordinary for someone of the same age in our society and using that as a benchmark instead of using the disability as the benchmark, right? Creating this optimal best life possible. So starting with that, right? So creating a vision, the first C. The second C, connection. So connection all about building and creating strong, lasting, deepening, deep relationships that are reciprocal because we know how important relationships are, right? So the second C, connection. The third C, contribution. So finding valuable roles for our loved one. The second question that we're always asked by someone is what do you do, right? The first question being your name. Second question, what do you do? What do you do for a living? And that's how we judge each other. That's how we measure each other. That's how we understand each other. That's how we know if somebody's, how somebody's contributing value to this world. And we wanna have a good answer to that, right? So we wanna have, you know, I'm a, I'm a podcast host and I help to support families to create the loved one, the life that they want for their loved ones with disabilities, right? People understand that as a value role, right? I'm also an con- adult contributor in my household. And I'm also a brother and I'm also a son. And I can explain how I fill those roles as well. So thinking about how your loved one contributes in those roles and helping them to create meaning through those roles, right? Exploring things that they're interested in and helping them create roles around their interests. And opportunities to give back, right? To, to contribute and give back. And that gives us a feeling of meaning in our lives which is also super important. Uh, Capability, right? So giving our loved ones the opportunity to try things, to explore the world, to see what they're actually interested in, right? To release those dependencies, to release the squeeze that we have, and to allow our loved one to, to fall down and to get back up and to learn and to grow and to unleash their own capability, their own self reliance, but also those non-paid relationships. So this is accessing, you know, and creating a personal support network and the interconnectedness, the interdependentness of that. This is also where paid support can come in to enhance those capabilities and to do with things with your loved one to support them in their growth. Okay, now we have the fifth C, creating a home. And this is a very important one because it unlocks a whole new world of freedom We have so much choice and control and decision-making ability when we have a home that we can truly call our own. We have control over the front door, who's coming in, who's coming out of our home. And that unlocks decision-making, right? To learn, oh, that was a good decision or that wasn't a good decision. I'm gonna have this for breakfast. I'm gonna wear this today. I'm gonna shower, I'm not gonna shower, right? I'm gonna you know, eat junk food, I'm gonna eat healthy food. I'm gonna you know, watch TV or I'm gonna read a book. And no one telling us what to do and us learning the consequences of making those decisions. So creating a home and then there's so many things tied into that, right? With you know, our loved one has X, Y, Z needs. How can we best support those? How can we find the physical space that's right for them, right? And looking at all of those things individually and how to create that best home, that optimal home for the individual. And then sixth is cash flow. So we need some money to make all this happen, to create this vision. 
So what does that look like, right? So how are we gonna fund support? How are we gonna fund the home? Where does natural support come in? How are we currently spending our money and exploring all of these things? So the six C's is how we can create this transformation for our loved one and for our families. And I invite you into that. And in the next video, I'm gonna tell you about the opportunity to be a part of something awesome that I am super excited about that I've been working on creating for the last year. And it has the power to change the life of your loved one and your family. Now, you need to watch the next video to learn more about this opportunity that has the power to transform your loved one's life and your family's life. So be on the lookout for my next email, which will have that video because it's going to be a limited time offer. And I'd love for you to comment in the comment sections below on this video. Let's start the conversation, post your comments there. I will reply, I will read all the comments because I just love to talk about this stuff and I'm super passionate about it. I'd love to hear from you, so send me a comment below. And thanks for watching this video and thanks for joining on the journey to continue to elevate the lives of those with disabilities. I also want to remind you that you can subscribe, subscribe to Empowering Ability by going to the website, empoweringability.org and contributing your hard-earned dollars towards the development of new content, new episodes, new blogs, and the new paid content that is coming. You will get access to that by subscribing now. And you can select the level of subscription that you would like to uh, move forward with. So that's totally up to you what you would like to pay, but it's a huge benefit towards um, the development of this work, the continuation of this work. And it's also investment an investment in yourself. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Uh, if you like this episode and you think you know someone that would benefit, please share it with them. Uh, be a part of the change to think differently about disabilities.